Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. Today is a, one of those Faith and Family Friday programs that I'm excited to be able to, to share with you. I hope and pray that it's a, a great blessing to you because we're in those times of, of families um, kind of finishing up their summers, right? Before you know it, some of you kids might already be in school. Others of you kids are about to get started to school. I know a lot of families have already sent their kids off to college like uh, Carrie and, and, and I have. Uh, I'm, I'm actually at orientation today with um, three of my kids. Uh, my fourth one at Franciscan arrives tomorrow, coming back as a junior. And so uh, they're exciting times. Uh, they are times of, of change. And, and I know as parents, what do we want? We want our kids to be blessed. We want them to be cared for. We want them to be safe. So pray for your kids. Pray for them, that, that their guardian angels would be watching over them. Pray and trust them into the immaculate heart of our Blessed Mother. Um, you pray a rosary for them every day. You know, so many things that the Lord will hear the heart, to hear your mother's heart, your father's heart for your kids. Kids, they're young men and women, right? Uh, if, they're, if they're off in college, but um, uh, you know, in high school, in, in whatever age or stage they're at, pray for them. Pray for them every day, I, I, and you do. And, and don't just say a prayer, but pour your heart out before the Lord. Let him know, what do you want for your kids? What do you, Lord, what, what, what do you have for my kids? I want to be able to uh, truly honor you in, in being uh, the husband uh, and father, the, the wife and the mother that you, you intended me to be. You created me to be. So do that. Lord Jesus, I just ask you to bless each of these parents. Bless them as they go about their, uh, their day, their lives. Lord, I ask that you would help them to feel encouragement and support in their own call to be supporting their kids and grandkids and even great-grandkids through prayer and, and through uh, offering up sufferings and, and trials uh, for the, the protection, the provision, and the guidance of their, of their family members. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, back in a minute with a current crew edition of Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. drtomcurran.com. Welcome back. We're going to begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, good and gracious God, we do thank you for all the ways that you take care of us and love us and bless us. Lord, give us deeper faith, hope, and love, and help our families always to have an active and vibrant faith, hope, and love. Lord, give us the grace of a, of a lively faith. Without you, Lord, we are nothing and can do nothing. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
How's that for a prayer, Carrie? Without right. without the Lord, we we can do nothing and are nothing. Do you ever, <laughs> do you ever feel that way? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything you want to share about uh, your coming back now after being gone for a couple of months? Uh, it's been a great summer. It's been a hard summer. Uh, I'm glad to be back, Tom. Um, I felt a lot of resistance during certain seasons this summer. And to be honest, I feel very peaceful and happy and content for this moment. I'll let you know how I feel next Yeah, there's the a moment hour. of grace here. <laughs> yeah, I think we should probably let folks know that we have, like we've attempted to put together like a fr- Faith and Family uh, Fridays of, of these programs, and it's been difficult. What worked with us at certain, like in a certain age and stage in our own lives and with our kids at certain ages and stages, but facing the the challenges that we faced as parents, you and I as a husband and wife facing these challenges as as parents, that it it wasn't working. It didn't work in the way that it had previously. And so the new challenges God used in very powerful ways to purify, to to address areas in our relationship and in our own individual lives that weren't entirely holy, that were, that were in part, at least, impacted by the wounds of our own, well, fallen human nature. And so there is a gift there, and it definitely is a gift that's not easy. You know, who's ready to jump into the fiery furnace of God's purifying love? You know, yes. pick me, pick me, right? No, that we tend to avoid, we, we tend to avoid the fiery furnace, even though that's the divinely established way of getting rid of the dross yes of removing the impurities well and i feel that um you know we can share more as time goes on but just to say that with tom and i um just really searching scriptures and prayer and then i've gone to just different resources and read and reflected and prayed and said god Help me to see the situation um, as a mother and, and, you know, dealing with our children and, and how Tom and I are dealing with that as a, a couple, as one front to try to battle or <laughs> help remedy. And um, he, he, I've just seen him help us in so many ways. But I tell you, it's through the fire. It's been a lot of fear, anxiety, sadness. I mean, it's just been a hard couple of months. Well, you know, one of the things that I found that you didn't mention was confession. I went to confession probably three or four times in the past four months. I don't know if you knew that. No, um, I knew so, of the one time you told me about. Yeah, so it's something that I have availed myself to more regularly, just as a means of seeking healing, that healing grace. I shared about it once on Sound Insight, where okay. I just broke down in tears as I was confessing in connection with this parenting issue. And the priest was so kind. He's like, "Come on by and have a, have a, have a drink, <laughs> have a whiskey." <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take a hard drink to get yeah. this <laughs> talked out. <laughs> well, but it was it was so compassionate. It was a beautiful thing. It was very compassionate that uh, that he was kind of offering me a space to say, mm-hmm. you know, you you need if you need room to talk about a challenge that you're facing as a parent, you don't always have a place to go with wisdom and. And, you know, when you and I disagreeing about how to address this situation, that was what really opened up the wound. It wasn't anything about us, per se. Uh, but again, we'll talk more yeah. about that in the and, future. And I think, Tom, what, what the enemy can do, and also just our own uh, attempt to self-preserve, 
is that there's a lot of um, uh, blaming and um, pointing the finger. I'm trying to think of the other word, just a sense of um, not seeing that other person for for the good that they have to offer because you're in a you're in a place of pain or conflict and just I don't know trying to deflect that and just onto somebody else or someone else. It's always better to blame the devil than your husband. So just. That's my. That's funny. I was going to say spiritual warfare is definitely a part of that because I do believe that the devil um, wants to get into families and break union. He wants to break unity because the family is supposed to be a communion of persons, a husband and wife, two in one flesh union. And when we're not united, then we're not going to be good with regards to our parenting of our kids, all of our kids, and that family communion. So the devil will just wait the opportunity or just the realm of the demonic to move into our own brokennesses and weaknesses and stir those up and push those to the forefront and let those be felt and acted upon most intensely. Yeah, I feel like when we were able to go to confession and um, the times that I was able to go, Tom, there was that sense of conviction um, and just really allowing uh, that space to, to sit quiet and to say, where am I? broken? Where do I need healing? Where from my past and who I am as a, a sinful, you know, I'm not, not a sinful person like running out and sinning, but just, you know, my own sense of humanness, where am I needing to be um, made aware and set free? And then the humilia- humiliation that comes with that and just saying, Lord, I don't have the answers. And then just wanting to share on a show where it's like, okay, let's talk about faith and family and how awesome it is. <laughs> like, I don't feel awesome. <laughs> I don't want to get on the radio. I'm done with. So just that sense of being humiliated or, or humbled by my own failure failures. And that wasn't, that's not a bad thing. It's actually a very holy thing, but in the midst of it, I'm angry and I'm sad and I'm feeling like a failure. And then, um, the Lord just allowing that contrition, like, gosh, you know, Lord, I am sorry. I, I, I do struggle. We do struggle. I'm sorry, honey, that I, I said and did. And what was that? I didn't hear. I didn't I'm hear so sorry. Lord, I spoke. <laughs> okay, take him back. Um, and then just that, I don't know, that, that the Lord is converting us. And I feel like that's where the enemy thinks he's winning. And that's where when we let the Lord in, he makes something new. Yeah. Well, I think that um, it's one of those like demonic strategies to get people off the battlefield, right? So... If you and I are struggling to be a radiant witness to the fullness of the Catholic faith and married life, that we're radiating joy and life and peace and love, wouldn't that sound cool? That's right. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. <laughs> but when that is, when that's, um, when when there's a when there's a gaping wound, when there, you know, when you're wounded on the battlefield, it's like, you know, kind of keep poking at that to get them out of the game, right? And I just think about that right now. As the church is facing the crisis that we're facing, yes, it's like, what will the devil want to do? The devil's going to want to get in there and try to cut the legs out from under those witnesses who are willing to stand up and say, the fullness of our faith is life-giving and it needs to be upheld, upheld. And we will courageously live and proclaim our church's teaching uh, with regards to marriage and family, with regards to human sexuality, with regards to the priesthood and what it means to live that with integrity. And I know that's something that I'm willing to do and hopefully have been doing. So I'm sure the devil would love to try to knock me off my feet and so go after our weak points, you know. And, and so just hear that, folks, if you're listening, 
you know, don't be surprised if you're, uh, if the devil or the, the realm of the demonic is going to come at you looking for your weak spots and that one of the manifestations of that will be to cling through your woundedness to things that are going to keep you locked in bondage or darkness and not help you move beyond that to healing. Yeah. And Tom, I really feel like when it talks about in Ephesians that you want to put on the full armor of God to, to withstand the devil's schemes, um, you know, part of it's our own humanness. We know that. And part of it is is the demonic. And that we are, that our struggle is not against, it's not against you, honey, <laughs> but against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of darkness. And I feel like this was a, a season of arming up, of getting, you know, that sense of being firm and who God has called us to be as parents, to not waver. But even in our struggle that God said, uh, I'm going to allow this and, and you're going to struggle, but it's going to be a good thing for both your marriage and both for you as parents. Um, but just in that, that's this season of having these flaming arrows being thrown at us <laughs> and learning how well, to extinguish them and knowing that it's, um, that we're on the same team. I think, yes, amen to that. And, and we are, but you know, it's like when the catechism says, um, filial trust, right? Filial trust is, that means we trust in the Lord as a father. We trust in the Lord as his son and daughter. It's simple and it's clean. The church says faith grows or filial trust grows through being tested, through being tested. So I want to go deeper into the reality that I know what it means that God is my father and that he has a fatherly care for me. I just don't want to be tested, (laughs) right? Lord, can't I just like fall asleep and you pour into me more filial trust? Yes. Right? Or how much trust do we really have in the Lord when everything's going well, right? Oh, Lord, I trust you. And my bank account's fine. My relationships are great. My kids are getting all A's and they're making the best teams and they're stars and they're getting along and they pray the rosary in Latin. And <laughs> Why do you always associate praying the rosary in Latin as more holy than praying it in English? If you don't know, <laughs> I can't tell you. The, I just threw a bone. So I just self, was throwing a bone out to the Latin people. So self. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's so obvious <laughs> that if you have, if you need an explanation, honey, you're just not there. Yeah, you're gonna have to hop on my back, and I'll carry you Thank forward you. into the life of faith. You've been doing it for this long, so let's just keep it going. <laughs> um, no, but Tom, I think what you really point to is that that earthen vessel, that human vessel, that um, it's when we're in that struggle and we're crushed, and our soul is just sorrowful to the point of you know, Christ, it was the point of death. That that's when Jesus is allowed to come in and penetrate that vessel and able to radiate. It's when that, that difference, I'm not sure the exact word, it, it's only in our, our struggle where Christ can really radiate. You know, when Pope Benedict says, you know, the world offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort, you were made for greatness. It's so easy for us to rely on the comforts of life in so many aspects. And I just feel like you know, when a family gets a, a, a situation put upon them that is going to cause trial, and they don't choose it, whether it be a, a, a child that's very sick, or it's um, a situation of, of health or finances, that's where God's like, hey, you see this as a burden, you see this as the enemy or whatever. This is a grace. This is a gift. This is the, you know, that is where Christ wants to radiate and, and just proclaim his victory. Yes. 
Uh, you're right. I don't. We don't want to hold this treasure, which is the glory of God, in earthen vessels, but we do to make it clear, to make it clear, that the power comes from God, and not from us. And I got to tell you, it's like, all right, Lord, I want it to be clear that it comes from you. But boy, sometimes it's hard to be purified, yes. to go through the testing and the trial to make us realize that, you know what, what worked for us in terms of strategies and plans and ideas and, and our experience and maturity wasn't going to be enough. But we needed to be repentant. We needed to be willing to be healed. We needed to be willing to surrender certain attitudes and ways of relating to each other or our kids or our time or our lives, that it wasn't going to be sufficient for the challenges at hand. But the Lord is sufficient, and he will be. So, well, I hope that's an encouragement for some of you that might be in the midst of a trial, a test, where the Lord is in doing the work of purification. Or, you know what? He can. He can redeem. He can heal. He can make new any situation of brokenness. Back in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Carrie, that was really beautiful. You know, it's a good thing we, we got through the introductory opening comment of our outline. Why does it always happen like that? <laughs> I don't know. We were supposed to like do a like a quick review of our summer uh-huh. during the first segment of the program, and we didn't even get there yet. Oh, because I think there's th- certain things on our heart that we want to share. There's an authentic, I have an, a need to be authentic and real, and I know, just it is what it is. Well, you, Carrie, you could have gone down like the Holy Spirit inspiration path. The, the Spirit led us to it. That would have been much more like. <laughs> See, even it would have raised that the level. Might not would have even raised be the authentic. level. Yeah. Yeah. So this, what we really want to do for this segment is just kind of give a wrap up of our summer and share what we've been doing over the summer, because um, it's been uh, amazing weather. I mean, if you're in the Northwest, the weather has been just amazing. It's been awesome, and um, just with uh, some of the things we were dealing with, not doing a lot of traveling or going places. And we always start off the summer with this great idea. We're going to do all these things and enjoy all these people and have all these barbecues and create hey, all these events. We're going to do this course <laughs> on the theology of the body. We're going to get all these people and over <laughs> to stuff with teens. It was awesome. And, um, you know, and that's all good. I don't feel like um, a failure. I just feel like, oh, this wasn't the season for that. And there is a season for that. Um but just some of the things we were able to do were really good. And just we took it a lot slower. And I don't think as a family we ever went away. I took some of the kids to the Anderson Island. You take a ferry 
So strictly speaking, <laughs> you went away. Okay, you can see this is now stepping into very <laughs> fragile. These trigger fragile, fragile scenarios ground. for you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very fragile conversation topic. Uh, okay, strictly speaking, I did go away. Is that what you're saying? Yes, and you also did faith event, which was away from the home. Yes, we did the faith on fire up in Anacortes. That's where I got to go to confession and. That was really neat. Um, but I felt lonely without you. Like, not alone, just kind of lonely, which is even harder um, because you weren't there. But it was good. Um, we got a virus there. And then we missed our whole family reunion um, because we were all so sick. And that kept us home for at least two weeks. And then I think at that point, I'm like, oh, that's it. I'm taking the kids and we're going to go away for a few days. Basically, Anderson Island is this tiny little island. I don't even know, like a thousand people. And uh, on it are a couple of lakes. And our kids just swam all day in the lakes and swam, 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 swam. At night, we would play tennis. Oh, in the morning, we played tennis. That was a new thing we picked up. Um, we played doubles a lot and had just so much fun playing tennis. I forgot how fun it is. But what's so cute is um, playing against the competitive kids in my family. Um, we weren't even playing with tennis rackets. We had, I think they were racquetball rackets. Like we had a couple of tennis rackets. And then we had one can of balls that I went and bought at the, there's a tiny little store on the island. And it's just a little bit of everything in this little store. So I bought one can and of that balls. that can of balls cost $257. And 82 cents. And um, yeah, we watched those balls so well. So needless to say, we get back here and we belong to a, a club it's called The Cove. And there's cohorts down there, which we've never used, but that kind of initiated this sense of, hey, doubles is really fun and tennis is fun and hitting the ball. So we went out and bought the big Costco <laughs> box of tennis balls and which led us to even more fun with another game that we invented. Hey, Carrie, be careful now. Say it out loud, and <laughs> you, you got to patent this before you actually share so the fun. idea. So when Tom and I were struggling, I said, I don't want to go and talk about any more conversations regarding what we're struggling with. I just want to go have fun with you. And I, I was kind of just done talking. And it's not like my husband, it's not like you, Tom, were talking, talking, talking. It was just... We were kept stepping on landmines of pain and struggle. And do we really have to, you know, that look or that comment or whatever? And, and you know, sometimes I just couldn't help myself. It's very humiliating, um, humbling. What's the right word? I'll take both. <laughs> so, oh, you're funny. So I, and I think when we were having some of these conversations, I was at the point where I was like, can we just enjoy each other? I want to spend time with you, enjoy you laugh. And one way we did that when we were dating and, and before we had children was to do sports um, and, and play games. And so I took Tom to this, it's called like golf disc. Uh, a frisbee golf, frisbee, frisbee golf course. Yeah. Through the woods. And it was right in our backyard. It's literally, it's like eight minute drive from our house. And, um, but it's so cool because just the trees, is it the topography? What would you, how would you describe all the trees? Yeah. The just, arbor. Just the landscape. I don't know. I just loved being in there. And I mean, that's the only reason I really liked golf was the walk. Like I always felt like golf was like you go for a big, long walk in the park. It wasn't so much hitting the ball because I was terrible at that. <laughs> it was just a big, I just like driving walk. it because I could hit yeah, it as hard as I could. Gosh, you're the same. So I knew our kids could not throw these um, Frisbees. And I said, Tom, let's bring the kids here and um, let's just have fun with the family and together. Let's just come here and we could throw a football or we could throw a, a kick a soccer ball or... 
hey, we're playing. This was before we went to Anderson Island. So when we came back, I said to Tom, let's just get rackets and a bunch of tennis balls and we'll pair up on teams and we'll um, hit the tennis balls or throw it if you can't hit it very well to the hole. And it was, it's not organized or anything. So when you get to this this particular course, there's no like starting point. There's no one taking a ticket. You just walk into the park and start playing. And I think we ran into maybe five other people, four other people playing, but we didn't really run into anybody in our way. Uh, but like I said, it's 28 different holes and we only did what, 10, eight? Not even, yeah. Yeah, we, after about eight holes, we're like, okay, let's, we're done. Let's go. Let's go home. <laughs> um, no, but it was so much fun. And, and even, they, like was, our oldest daughter... She was like, she was hemming and hawing, grumbling. And at the end, she, like the next day, she's like, can we go back? Can we go back? Let's go back again. She loved it so much. She had so much fun, even though she was probably one of the worst. Yeah, she was the worst. It was so great because she was so good at other sports. I failed as a father. I realized (laughs) after I saw her swing that racket the first time while walking down the first fairway there, I said, Mary Grace, please forgive me. I've failed you as a father. Because as a father, I feel like each of my children should be able to hit a ball, catch a ball, (laughs) kick a ball, throw a ball. And the fact that she could not, for the life of her, swing that racket and hit the ball, I felt like I've somehow ruined her life life. and let her down. But she's the only one that never took tennis with all of us. So maybe that's why. Anyhow, it was just, it was a blessing and it was free and I don't know, it was just awesome all around. So we're talking about things that kind of build family Unity, communion, that communion of, of family life together and giving kids a chance to enjoy each other, even in a, an environment that's only half competitive, right? And our kids are pretty competitive, but to be able to give them a sense of... <laughs> our kids? Our kids are half... Excuse me. Excuse you. Excuse, excuse you. <laughs> You're way more competitive than I am. All right. So, uh, but there are other things that, Carrie, you've done and are actually planning Labor Day weekend. So it's a great time when families will have an opportunity to do stuff together or even get away together. And um, that idea of using the event, creating an event for family to express who we are. Well, and I think part of that is just thinking ahead. Um, It's hard for us to go away in that just all the logistics of packing and um, planning it. And it's something that just is going to culminate the season in our life. I feel like partly some of our struggles and some of my struggle has been that all my kids are under my our roof, my roof, our roof. Um, I just had more like control <laughs> over what they were doing and where we were going and who we are. And the last two years have been such a discombobulated, I don't know, roller coaster of who's going to mass on Saturday and night and who's going Sunday and where are we going Sunday and half the kids are going to this this church and the other half are going to this other Catholic church and. Then during the week, I just feel like kids are being pulled by their friends and being pulled by their jobs and being pulled by activities at school. And I just felt like my motherhood identity of who I am just kind of crumbled in a, I don't know, it just like was not, it's not the same, it hasn't been the same. And so I think I'm mourning, like I'm sad. <laughs> Can you tell I'm getting like teared up, um, teary eyed? So this will be a really neat time to just kind of say this was our season and to give thanks to God. And what I mean by that is we'll actually go around and talk about our old life and then talk about what we have to look forward to where we are now and what we've seen so far and 
um, things that we can work on or work towards. And it's not this long, drawn-out conversation. It's just like, you know, 45 minutes. And in between that 45 minutes is a lot of, you be quiet, shh, it's her turn, <laughs> put your hand down. <laughs> so it's not the smooth flowing, like everyone sits around the table. Um, and I also want to, um, Tom, when we go away, just to talk about this new school year. And it's always a great time for us to re, um, reroute or reroute or just kind of get, how, what's the right refresh. word? Refresh. Yeah, just like a refresh, a regrouping of now where are we headed? Already, you know, swim schedule and soccer schedules and tournaments and the kids have started sports again. And all of a sudden, I'm like, <gasps> it's like almost like, hold your breath. Here we go. We're going underwater. Um, so I just really am I'm hoping that this time away will help us just kind of clear the decks and refresh. Well, Carrie, it's like, are we going to be dragged along by the schedules of our kids or are we going to be more determining what direction our kids' lives are going to take? And I think that, that that's the distinction because a lot of our lives, it, we could very easily just be dragged along. And I yes. think where we got frustrated is when w- this whole drag along impacts how we're living the Lord's Day on Sunday. Yes. How we're able to do family formation activities, how we're able to um, help our kids grow personally with different things, whether it's academic or personal or, athletic, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so we just get dragged along versus being more determined, more intentional. And so I think, Carrie, one of the things that has shown up this summer with Mary Grace, you know, going to be gone for the year and other things like that that have created new situations in our home that um, it has made me become that much more tuned to the idea of being intentional. And so it was about we want to move our kids towards a goal, and that goal is really around faith. Oh, yeah, and those other things, too. And connection. Connection, academics, et cetera, et cetera, building up family. And Yes. Yes. Um, but something that I did yesterday, Carrie, was I took my kid, my two boys, I took them with me to go pick up their younger sisters at practice. I'd never done that before. It's about, you know, a 12, 15-minute ride. I said, get in the car, we're going. And they're like, what? I said, get in the car. Why? We don't want to go. I said, I'm your father. Get in the car. <laughs> what, what had you never done before? Taken them to practice or made them go with you? Taking them to go with me just to go pick up their sisters okay. at practice. There's like no reason for it. So why did you do it? So that I could start intentional conversations with them. Oh, good. good. So I got in because there are certain conversations that I want to have with my boys. These are or... boys to men conversations. Oh, okay, yeah. And so the whole late. range of boys to... <laughs> That's okay. Sorry, did I trigger you? This is fragile <laughs> ice... I don't know why you want to step on that right now. I How can't you can't? Help I know you cannot okay. because you shared with me that you're yourself. really trying to pray and own this season in their life, and that you wanted to work on this. So I'm just kind of teasing you about it, but it's awesome. Yeah, sincerely, it is awesome. Oh, thank you, dear. You are awesome. Too late. Okay. <laughs> Too late. Okay, so so I I started out with conversations that you had mentioned to me that. I think his name is, I think it's Brock Heward. He talks about what he does with his kids at the dinner table. Really? Where he asks them the question, how are you a leader today? 
You're the one who told me about it. I don't think I've heard Maybe that I talk heard by it. him. That's Maybe. not what he's, his program's about. Um, I think it was him, but I think it was that. And again, he talked about yeah. where were you a leader today? Where did you have an opportunity to step up and be an example? You know, that kind of thing. Okay. So I, wherever I got that inspiration from, I just started out with that kind of conversation where I asked the one and then the other, how was school? Hey, were there, I heard that there were new kids. Did you do anything to welcome those new kids? Is there a way that you stood up and you influenced kids to move in a good direction? By the way, that's what a leader is. A leader is someone who influences people to move in a good direction. Doesn't dem- demean them, put them down, berate yeah. them, make right. fun of them, which is so typical of a common junior high kid, boy, girl. Yes. It's just to... It's teasing or it's being mean or... Sarcastic or exactly. just joking, you know, but to actually be... So that's good, Tom. How'd that go? It was good. It was, it actually, it went well. I mean, it wasn't profound, but it was, it was good. I got them thinking. Basically, I was introducing new conversations. Okay. Like these are conversations that maybe would have only happened in really singular circumstances. So I didn't say to them, I'm committed to meeting with you four days a week and having conversations that are intentional. That's what I do for you. I say, honey, you're meeting with your boys. I have your schedule set up. (laughs) Honey, ice, thin, thin ice back away. So I ended up, um, I ended up just starting with that kind of conversation, just about where did you influence kids to move in a direction? And then when they said it, I said, that's being a leader. That's what it means to be a leader. Oh, cool. and I said, that's what I want for you. You guys are leaders and you have the opportunity to become leaders, to influence kids to move in a good direction. And, and then I didn't preach from there or anything. Again, I just gave them a chance to share some experience and ask them some questions. I'm going to go beyond that because I'm going to tell them stories about me growing up, et cetera, et cetera. So I... Want them to know by my acting, not by my telling them I'm going to do it, but by my doing it, that I'm going to be intentional and systematic and progressive about having the kind of conversations that these boys need to have in order to be men or to learn from me what it means to be a man, to be a, a good man, a husband, a father, a child of God, a man of God. And so, so that's what I'm doing. So that's just something that is... I think connected to this stage in life. And and then there's another example of that. So Mary Catherine and Ariana, and there's something new that entered their lives over the weekend, which I know, honey, you're just so thrilled about. I've just had so much, okay, and I don't want to say I have fear or anxiety, but why do phones in kids' hands give me anxiety? It just is a trigger. I Like if I see a kid sitting on a couch for more than like five minutes on a phone, I just like... But the phone, what is the phone? Okay. Uh, so anyhow, we so have a contract When here. we come back, we're going to talk about the contract that our two daughters signed, who for the first time in their lives got phones. Yes, that's right. We'll talk about the process. There's some cute stories in there, and we'll do that after we take a break. Hey, welcome back to Sound Inside. This is Tom Curran. It is a beautiful Faith and Friday edition of the Curran Crew. Carrie, we're a crew, you and I. <laughs> well, in our nine munchkins. Actually, they're not little anymore. So they are, wow, they're growing up. And one of the signs of growing up is that we surrendered and got them iPhones. Not the latest, not even the second or third or fourth, genera- several generations back, but they got iPhones. So... 
Uh, well, what do you think, Carrie? It's quite a process. Uh, yeah, I mean, they got they paid for it themselves, which you know is a big deal for me. Is that they own that, but we um, let them know that we paid half, so that when we do take that phone away, they will not be saying this is my phone. Say no, we paid half. So that's actually a really important strategy, Carrie, that I don't read about a lot when I read sites that talk about oh, how do you help your kids with contracts and stuff like that. I don't know, almost. It maybe once, maybe a couple of times have I read contracts that talk about or like the philosophy behind contracts to say, don't tell your kid it's their phone. Treat the phone as either common property or as the parent's property that happens to be put into the hands of the kid. And the kid is the steward of the parent's property or of the shared property. And a sign of that is you're going to pay for some of the, you know, half the cost of the phone plus your share of the cellular contract. So that's what we've done for our kids is that they paid half of the cost of the phone and they've, they're paying $25 per month for their share of the cell phone, uh, cellular service contract. Yeah. And also um, in doing that, it just helps them realize this is uh, not an investment. That's not the right word, but it costs money. It's you not just, just take it free. for granted. Yes, and they come to appreciate it, or they come to take responsibility in having it because it's such a big tool. I mean, I feel like that phone is even more um, useful, dangerous, more toolish than a car. Like this is a bigger deal than getting a car to drive around is having a phone. I mean, it opens up so many more opportunities to them than a car would. And it's just a different reality. And like a lot of kids nowadays don't even care to get a car. <laughs> they want their phone more than a car because they can connect so much more conveniently, easily, and feel more part of things through that that uh, world. This is a theme that we've talked about um, and we keep revisiting on, uh, on our current crew programs, Carrie, just because parents so often are not engaged enough or aware enough of what is happening in the digital world, uh, in the realm of the internet that kids are connecting to through their phones. And again, it's, I just call it phone by convenience, not by reality, because most often kids are not using those devices to make phone calls. They're on social media platforms. Instagram, Snapchat in particular, and um, and then Twitter for some, and then texting for some others. But I would really say, at least in the now moment, it's really about Instagram and Snapchat. Those seem to be the two that, at least in the ninth and 10th graders that were around, are really the prominent platforms. Yeah, and I mean, Tom and I really like the fact that we have phones, and we wanted our kids to be able to experience how to set boundaries, how to be on it in a way that's healthy. However, um, I think for me, when I just see the number of kids that are have like full free, um, all day, all Unrestricted night. Unrestricted access. Access. It's so many kids that I have um, that are friends of our own kids. It just baffles me that the parents are okay with them just walking in the house on the phone, get in the car on the phone. They go into the room on the phone. They come to the table on the phone. And even with that being said, there's still this just, um, I don't know. I just know just from how I read on my own website, not my websites, my own platforms, how often they're on the phones because of how quickly they respond to stuff. So it just uh, we want to give you all a sense of what we did with our kids before we put the phone in their hands. 
first of all, we had an agreement that they were, there was going to be the financial participation. The second is we have a contract, and we'll go into some of those details of the contract. The third is when we got the phone, I had the phone in my hands, and before I handed it to them, I went into the phones, and we got iPhones, not because we love Apple, but because Apple does a better job with allowing restrictions. You can create a separate password for the restrictions side of the phone. And so I went through all of the restrictions of the kind of content that would go on there before I put it on the phone. And then I put on their phone the family mode app that T-Mobile offers. So T-Mobile, thanks be to God, finally, just in the last month or so, released a family mode app that allows me on my phone to control how much time they have on their phone, what apps they can access, how long they can access them. I can pause their, uh, I can pause their use of the of the data side of their phone so that they can just make phone calls and text. I can immediately cut off what phone what apps they can utilize, bedtime use. I can reward them for extra use. All of these things on an app that I control, and I get to see a history of where they're spending their time on the phone. And that is huge. And it's not like we are wanting to follow them on their phone. I, believe me, when we give our kids a phone, I realize we are signing up for premier soccer. It's not rec soccer or select. It's the high level. You're invested. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes commitment. It takes investment to monitor it. And this app has saved us. Well, now we've brought it from premier soccer down to rec. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, between that app and the Xfinity app. So if you have Comcast, Comcast, you go. You have to create an account online, xfinity.com. You can sign up, log in, and then you can map out every device that can log into your Wi-Fi. You can put a password on it. And then not only that, you can monitor what is being used when. So you can put iPads, bedtimes, right, Tom, and TVs, any device, and PCs, any okay. device that's connecting to the Wi-Fi. You can monitor it. You can manage it. You can pause access to it. You can cut it off. And, and what? So what you're saying is now you have a new app that monitors cellular. That's right, and that's so what we that didn't was have I was before. That were that's where I was limited before was that. I could either, I had a limited access on T-Mobile to the data side and the Xfinity side, it wasn't refined enough around the um, constraints of what I could measure. So now it's, it's, the, it's the triumvirate. Uh, uh, <laughs> Did you just make that word up? The, tri- the threefold, oh, the triumvirate, so the three parts. <laughs> it's the T-Mobile app measuring the data side. It's the Xfinity app measuring the Wi-Fi side. And it's the iPhone itself that measures the restriction of what can be on there, that side of things. You know, just as we're talking about this, Tom, I get a lot of passion and energy. It's like, I want to help families. I want to help parishes or schools to figure out how to do this because it's taking you hours of research and experience. And it's taking years to get to this point. This is just a month and a half old, this app. Well, just our experience of, of all the pitfalls and struggles that we see our kids fall into and how we can help them. So we came up with a, what, you know, when we did their contract, I was tired. <laughs> I was like, here's five contracts that Tom printed up. I said, go through it and read them up in your bedroom and highlight, star, whatever, circle the rules that you think should apply to your phone contract. And so they did. They went over, I don't know, four or five different contracts. And then over the course of like a week, they kept bringing them to us. Like, when are we getting our phone? When are we getting our phone? I said, well, we have to write your contract first and make sure you write it first. Because once they get that phone, it's just, um, 
it's just interesting. So we had them run up a, a contract and they whipped that thing out so fast. And um, I think it was about, we had a meeting up in our bedroom with them. I met with them, you met with them, and then we met with them together okay. to walk through the dimensions of the contract. And these, I mentioned in earlier programs, okay. that this was a wonderful tool to have conversations that otherwise they wouldn't have because they want that phone, so they'll talk about anything. So we had a great chance to talk about behaviors both online, but also behaviors out in the real world. And that, that's a part, again, that these contracts just really didn't cover. What do you mean by out in the real world? Out in the real world are things like, if you aren't doing your homework and maintaining grades, you lose your phone. If you don't go to youth group. If you don't go to youth <laughs> group, you, don't go you to lose your prayer. phone. If you aren't, Family prayer. If you're not doing your job in the home. So just for instance, the other night, Mary Catherine was not being compliant to the fact that she needed to clean the kitchen as part of her sharing in the, the, the chores of the house. Well, what ended up happening? I said to her, just gently, I said, Mary Catherine... By our contract, if you don't do your chore, you're losing your phone. And I just walked away. Ten minutes later, she is like uh, uh, just running around like a tornado, cleaning the kitchen. And it was all beautifully clean. I mean, I would like our listeners to let us know if you want us to go into this more or talk about this more, because we know that this is something that we've talked about in the past. I don't want to, um, you know, be boring, but it's so helpful. My favorite part of the contract is where I just said, when you come into the house after school, you turn in your phone <laughs> and then you get it back for one hour, like from eight to nine at night before we do family prayer. Basically, it's it's not going to take over our home. It's not attached to your hip. It's not going to be up in your bedroom. It's, it's just a tool and it's not going to consume you. Yes. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, <laughs> there is reasoning, thinking it all through, and then there's authority. And both of those are part of us living our faith and growing in faith. Uh, but I know, Carrie, that authority also is um, it's something that provides strength, like a, a foundation for making good decisions. And when it comes to the use of smartphones and social media, you came to me pretty... Uh, stirred up in a positive way and kind of even laughing a little bit uh, from a caller her, uh, that was on Dr. Laura's show. Well, that's because we're still struggling with the idea that we gave our girls phones. And we even have a contract in place. And it, again, it's more work for us to, to oversee that contract because they're not really quick to turn in a phone or um, pay the bill or uh, say, oh, oh, yeah, mom, I, let, let's go over my account, make sure I'm following everyone that's appropriate. <laughs> so it's my job to just help monitor that and set guidelines. However, even though we gave them a phone and we've been working through this contract, it is an active document. It is not a contract you throw in the closet. You take it out like every three days and go, what, what did we say again? What did we write again? <laughs> because it is changing and it's being learned and it's being used as a tool. It's actually a real tool. Just like you would go out and uh, pull weeds. We have these really bad weeds in our lawn and we need one of these little hose with a little fork at the end to get down and get those uh, dandelions out. And use this, the contract is like that. It is a tool that is necessary to get to the root of things that are, are going to cause problems. And so, Dr. Laura, I listened to... Uh, 
Um, one of my podcast list is uh, Dr. Laura Call of the Day, just because I find her so refreshing. And even though she's she's blunt and brutally honest and kind of shuts shut you down and bulldozes you with her her opinion, but a lot of it is truth. Um, I just find her so entertaining to listen to and in the callers. So this gal calls in and says, you know, I just gave my 14-year-old, or my 14-year-old for the last two, three years has asked for a phone and we want to give it to her. What do you think? And Dr. Laura's like, no. No, I have plenty of friends that don't have phones. You don't need to give her a phone. You can have them spend time reading and doing art and sitting down with your, the family and actually having conversations. Zero, zilch, don't give them a phone. They don't need it. <laughs> no, no social media. And so she's like, yeah, but you know, all of her friends have one. She goes, I know. And those are bad parents. And there's this bad parenting going on and lazy parenting. <laughs> and I was laughing because we'd just given our kids phones going, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> A little lazy. Well, the funny thing was she didn't say bad parents. She said parenting badly. Oh, parenting she caught badly. herself. And I thought that was really good. Oh, is that a distinction? Yeah, she wanted to You're say that. You're not a bad person. It's about the action. Yeah, it's not good, the Tom. person. I see. I didn't catch that. Um, and she's very, all her words mean something. Like she doesn't just speak and and not have it have a purpose. Everything she says is very purposely spoken. Um and so she just encouraged this mom to say, be the outlier, be the one that doesn't do it. Be the only one who says, I'm going to take a stand and I'm not going to give you social media access and you're going to have to be okay with that. And that's, you're doing a good job and just encourage the mom. Well, and I also found it interesting that she mentioned social media access. She didn't say cell phone or smartphone use. She didn't. And she never, like Dr. Laura never went to don't give the kid a smartphone or don't give the kid a cell phone. It was like, don't even give them an account on Instagram. It was, it was about using social media apps and, and social media platform access. And I, I think that when it comes to women, yeah, that is a girl's, that is where most of the trouble is. Not all of it, because you can get in plenty of trouble texting, right? Sending pictures and videos and links. And if, if that smartphone has access to the internet, like a browser, or uh, other kinds of apps that aren't social media platforms. And, and again, maybe she just means it very broadly. But I just found it interesting. She didn't like um, take it to another level and say, let's be clear. Social media apps like these are bad. But you also have to be aware of this, this, and this. And you can use your phone. And I, you know, one of the reasons I say that is that nowadays you can use apps to actually limit and provide access as as in accord with your contract um, through uh, through the phone itself. So I'm connected to my kids and I'm looking at how much time did they spend on Instagram? How much time did they spend doing other things on the phone? Well, I think with us, what takes time is um, letting them know that they not they to collect their phones each night and also to collect them when they get home from school. And so they have them when they go to school during the day, but when they get home from a sport or if they don't have a sport that day, they have to turn them in right away. And I don't even want them on their phone in the car. <laughs> like I'm not going to be the family with like five kids on the phone in the car, unless we're like on a road trip. And um, so each day they get home. But the nice thing is now, which is so great, which I realized like three days ago, <laughs> a little slow. It's like, wait, I can text them all. I don't need to go find them in their bedroom or down to the basement or go out to the field where they're playing. I just send them a little text. Hey, turn in your phone. So last night I sent a text to them at 8.58. It is almost nine o'clock. Please turn in your phone to mom. If you want your phone tomorrow, you need to read, pray, do your chores, clean your room, hang out with your siblings. These are great options 
than being, you know, to that, than being on your phone. I love you so much. You guys are awesome kids. And <laughs> throwing some positive. <laughs> so sure enough, within five minutes, they both brought their phones to me, knowing that if they didn't turn them, they only get them for an hour a night. And even that we find is too long. Even I find that to be just too much time hanging out on a phone. It's like, I'm almost like we're like, okay, we said to the kids, this contract is live. It is a living document. We will change it as need be. And I've already come to Tom and said, okay, they can have like a half hour on their phone. Do they really need to be hanging out on their phone for an hour every night? And it's not that they even do, but they both loaded games on their phone. So now they're playing like Candy Crush and some other game, which... It's really just Candy Crush. And it's not really tracked by... We can't turn it off. No, I can, but I didn't realize it. So that's where we're still learning. <laughs> and you talk about the vigilance, right? It's just, it's just a waste. The amount of vigilance that's of required. So <sighs> I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to actually like turn off the game from their phone. Uh, anyways, it's just... It's exhausting, yeah. right? Even even though we are using all these other tools, the contract, this app, the other apps and p- protected password stuff and restrictions, even all that stuff, again, we just keep coming back around. This is a this is an issue we have to work together. Why? Because the next kid, you know, any friend of theirs almost has no restrictions on their phones. And and then therefore it you know, it, it doesn't make our efforts worthless because we're establishing our sense of core values and mm-hmm. how we see the world and how we're supposed to utilize technology. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's, a, it's frustrating in an exhausting way to say we have to go through all these efforts and then the kid right next to them is just walking free. Yeah. I, and it makes it really hard for us to send our kids to someone else's house, especially the boys that are in sixth and seventh grade. Like, we have to really know the family and know their rules around social media. Like, does your son just have access to whatever and you guys can go up to the bedroom? It's like, it makes me so... Do you so collect fa- the phones at night? Well, right. and this is why we just have limited sleepovers to just hardly any. Like, maybe one or two in the winter and they get a few more in the summer with their cousins and maybe a friend. But we just tried to really, like, be hyper vigilant. And I feel like it's a part-time job. It'd be so much easier if they just <laughs> didn't have a phone. Yes. But... We're going to use it as a great advantage to so to send them positive messages, to send them reminders. I've already got them signed up for the youth group. The youth group now is texting them, you have youth group tomorrow night, get ready for youth group, this is our theme. So now I have other people and other um, persons that can influence them and send them things. And even with me and my nieces, a couple of them are dealing with different things and they're, um, you know, a couple are moms and... A couple are, you know, just out of college or in college. And I can even send them little scriptures or little uh, cute memes or even send a group one out to all the nieces. I mean, it really is fun if you can use it and encourage and build that relationship. But it just does cause me with my own children a level of um, fear and hyper vigilance. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I just am like, that's what I signed up for. When we said, yes, you guys can have a phone, then my game has to be turned on and I have to to play and to um, oversee them at a whole different level that I just, <laughs> it's a lot of time, a lot of work. So if I had a couple of kids, I, and I don't want to, I don't know, it makes it sound like if you only have a couple of kids, it's not that hard, but it's not what I mean at all. I just feel like I'm overwhelmed with what's on my plate right now. And to add this to it is I'm getting a little bit grud- like begrudging. And when you talk about what is it that's part of our lives that make our lives not so easy, not so comfortable, but introduce difficult challenges that can lead to good things. That's the cross. That's one aspect of the cross. And so you being a mother and creating a home that 
um, where you're being vigilant to help nurture faith, educate in the faith, provide a kind of discipline and a structure that is honoring our faith. You know what? That's a worthy hill to die on. That's a worthy cross to carry. Amen. And I I say that not just to you, but all the other moms that are listening, and they can feel like, what contribution am I making? What difference am I making? This seems so exhausting. I don't see the joy. And you know what? We need to go through that. There's <laughs> that's something. Good. No, it's awesome, Tom. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. That's a very good message. Amen. Well, we're up against the end of our program and the end of our week. I thank you so much for being with me today. I do pray God's blessings on your day. Thank you, Carrie. And uh, join us again next Friday for another uh, current crew edition of our program. God bless your day.